Welcome to another edition of the Kyle and Kasanoff Show on this sunny Saturday morning. Matt, we have to start with some big news coming from across the pond. All right, yeah. Arsene Wenger, 22 years in charge of Arsenal. He's calling it quits at the end of this season. You want to hear this record? Go ahead. 1,228 games, 704 wins, well above 500, three Premier League championships, seven FA Cups, and one invincible season. Probably a record that will never be broken. Now, can you refresh my mind on what exactly an invincible season means? They went an entire Premier League season undefeated. Only wins and ties, which is a remarkable accomplishment. It's only been done once. Yeah, I mean... Man City came close this year, I feel like. I feel like they only lost like two or three games this year. But like to actually imagine going undefeated for a whole season, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's not you know, close isn't zero. And it, you obviously, you know, I just you know, we we felt it was important to start the show, you know, paying our respects to a man who who really influenced the game. He leaves them in a tough spot though. I mean, they're sitting six in the table, they lost their best player after last season. Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be an uphill climb for them to get back to the top of the table, I think, in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, especially with Liverpool's emergence as, as a real, uh, you know, strong right. contender in, in the Premier League over the last few years. Uh, is there space for Arsenal in that Champions League bracket anymore? Uh, maybe, some, maybe some new blood, though, brings some new ideas. It's tied up there at the top this year, for sure. Uh, but we are going to move on quickly here. We are going to head into some NFL draft talk. And the draft starts, I believe, it's next Wednesday, Wednesday evening, and we're super excited uh, so we wanted to actually run down, before we begin, we wanted to run down our own top 10 mock draft for this year. Matt, do you want to start? Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, number one on the board, the Cleveland Browns, Josh Allen. Uh, yes, he's not the best quarterback in this draft, I'd say, but he's a real Browns guy. You know, he belongs on that Cleveland Browns quarterback list. You know, I I feel... Like, this is a predictable pick for them. The guy who was pretty bad in college, but because he's... Well, he's got a rocket arm. Because he has a big arm and supposedly he has big hands. Well, no, he definitely does. That was confirmed at the combine. And he's 6'5", but it isn't like all 6'5 quarterbacks are good in the NFL. Because he's the stereotypical... Really? What's um, wrong with Brock Osweiler? I think he's great. And I think he's tall. I, I think he was almost too tall. I feel like there's a there's a, a minimum and a maximum, and he was above that. Matt clearly he, he I don't know something just wasn't working for him, but I, I can see the Browns making this at one. He's gonna be a bust, so it's a very Browns pick at that. Just a, another quarterback here, gone down the tank. But at my first overall pick, the Browns, I'm gonna go with the safer bet. I'm going with Sam Darnold. I do think he's the best quarterback available. I think he's the most pro ready. I think he's the Browns really I think he's a really Browns kind of quarterback. He's the guy he's the kind of hardworking, nose to the grindstone guy that I think that this new Browns regime would would really appreciate. And I think that he's gonna have while Josh Allen may have a higher ceiling supposedly because of his of his better intangibles, maybe. Um I think I think Darnold is the safer pick and that's why I'm going with him at one. Yeah, I mean I, I want a character guy, but uh moving on to kind of a, a guy who we talked about last episode might not have the most illustrious character, uh, Saquon Barkley, will be my pick at number two for the Giants. Uh, generational talent. Not much more needs to be said. You don't really have to justify right, that he's, pick. He's a real specimen. I mean, he really showed out at the Combine. Um, I think the Giants would be happy to have him here at two because I think that they're really not like, I think that they're content with Eli Manning for at least another year or two. They're not really hell bent on, on, you know, signing a quarterback right now. Um, 
or drafting one, excuse me. I, I think Barkley is a great value pick for them at two. Um, he's he's an Ezekiel Elliott kind of talent. Um, I think he will. He's he's instantly a twelve hundred to thirteen hundred yard getter um, right out of the gate. Uh, I think he really shores up that that huge hole the Giants have at running back, and he's going to be a real difference maker for them. All right, you want to go number three? All right, number three. Kind of a surprise, maybe not. I'm going with Baker Mayfield to the Jets. Um, I think that you know a lot of people might see you know he's he's only six foot one or six two. He's a little bit undersized, uh, but I, I think he has the real character and team leadership to make up for that lack of size. I, I think that he he would be a great pickup for the Jets. I think that they have you know guys on the roster currently. You know, I mean, they have Josh McCown currently under a one-year bridge deal. I think that he can be that bridge, and then Mayfield can kind of sit behind him and learn a little bit. Because I think Mayfield, a year... Is Josh McCown really the guy you want teaching your young star quarterback, though? Well, Josh McCown had a fantastic season last year. And the Jets really weren't... Like, they like were fringe playoff contenders, really, until McCown got hurt. I, I want to say it was like week 12, week 13. He had a he had a phenomenal season. I think he'd be a perfect guy, you know, a 38, 39. He's been around for like almost twenty years now. The perfect guy. For I guess the- I guess the experience makes him qualified. But you know, right. like when you talk about other other scenarios, like if the if the Giants, for example, had picked up a guy, then maybe Eli Manning's kind of the consummate pro. Uh, you know, been there, won it all, done that kind of guy. Who I just think, obviously, if you're picking anyone, you'd rather learn from that kind of guy. Well, yeah, but it's about who the Jets have, and the yeah, Jets no, have Josh I, McCown. I understand. <laughs> you for, know, for they don't have Eli Manning, so that's not really a debate for them. So, at my pick number three, I still have Sam Darnold on the board. I'm going Sam Darnold for the Jets. Uh, I think you know it's a match made in heaven. Uh, he went to USC, so he's probably a pretty smart guy. You know, it's a good school, great school. Um, so it'll fit right in with uh, you know the New Yorkers, right? Because he got in for academics. Yeah, he did get in for academics. Football is just a side thing, right? Yeah. Uh, he does. I don't even think he has a scholarship, uh, as first reported by me. Okay, there we go. Uh, okay, so we're going back down to pick number four. I'm going Quentin Nelson here. A lot of people might not know who this is. He's a lineman from Notre Dame. The Browns just lost Joe Thomas to retirement. They need more offensive line help. I'm sorry. I mean, they need help pretty much everywhere except for, you know, interior uh, pass rushers and maybe after they pick Darnold or Allen at one quarterback. Well, you know what? I actually picked Bradley Chubb from NC State. Okay. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think I think I I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. You know, he just you know, he's a really good player, edge rusher. Uh, and I believe in him. I think the Browns could use can use some help on defense as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talk about specimens. This guy's a, a, a real phenomenal athlete. I think that uh, the Browns would love him at 4. Because uh, this is, I mean, I know that this is who the, like, a lot of people sent him to the Colts at three, but then they traded the, traded down to six. I think they were, like, hoping that Chubb would be there at six. But, obviously, a disappointment for them if, if he goes at four. Right. Now at five. Okay, so we had Darnold going to the Browns. We had Mayfield going to the Jets. Now at five, I have Josh Allen going to the Denver Broncos. Whoa, 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 hold on a sec. I have to object. Not That's not fair. Because you take Josh Allen's rocket arm and you put him in – in Denver, where there's less oxygen, and he's gonna throw out of the stadium. Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw something at you right now. Okay. Did you know Josh Allen played for the University of Wyoming? Okay, yeah. Which is in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yeah. University of Wyoming Stadium is the highest altitude football stadium in the world. So I think this is a guy who is wow. already accustomed to, 
you know, that high altitude. Wait, so maybe he won't have a rocket arm if he goes to Denver. Because of the it'll be, be a little, it'll thick. be a little less. Yeah, it'll yeah. be a little less. Exactly. So it it might go the other way on him. All right. I, I think if there's ever if there was ever a place, you know, in terms of of the altitude that he was already used to, mm-hmm. Denver might be the place for that. That's right. why I have him I'm going for. I'll it. hear it and accept it. You know, obviously though, for me, Josh Allen's off the board. Uh, so with five in Denver, I'm picking Josh Rosen, and I've got some unconventional wisdom behind this. Okay, right. go ahead. As you know, Colorado has legalized marijuana. Yeah. And as you know, there's a lot of concerns about Josh Allen, sorry, sorry, uh, Josh Rosen uh, being too smart. Right. So my idea is we get him out to Denver and we just put him on a ton of weed and he's like, you know, he's just gone out of his mind. Right. And then the Broncos can only expose him to football and like, you know, he'll be too high. He won't be able to be curious about other things besides what's right in front of his face. Okay, that's really interesting logic there. I mean, he, I mean, you could peg him to, I don't know, any of the California teams, perhaps maybe a, a Washington team, the Seahawks. No, I, I feel like you think, it's you think a, this is a hard set. This is a hard set Colorado guy right here. I do. I do. Okay, yeah. fair right. enough. And I'm going to go again at number six. Go ahead. Colts taking Tremaine Edmund Edmonds, Virginia Tech guy. Uh, they need they need defense. You know, what, the Colts they need everything. They really. need everything really but, except quarterback. Yeah. So I mean I mean here, you I can't mean, like, go wrong. So I mean to like speak. I mean like when you say that you know at six, you like just go for the best guy available. And and at six for me that's Bradley Chubb. And I I think this is the guy. This is the guy who I said that you know the the Colts wanted from the start. He was their number one prospect. They traded down from three. Because they thought that he'd still be available. In my mock, he is. They're going with him. I think he, he's really going to help them shore up those, that huge edge rusher hole that they have. All right, who do you have seven for the Bucks? Seven, I have Minka Fitzpatrick, the, the defensive back from Alabama. The Bucks really need defensive back help. And I think that he's going to really help them as, as kind of this ball-hawking safety corner hybrid kind of guy. Um, he can really help them back there. I believe they have Brent Grimes back there currently, but he's he's getting up in age. I believe he's 35 now. Um, he's really going to fix some problems for them that they've had in the secondary these past few years. Well, you know what? I wish I could disagree with you, but I also have Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama uh, going well, to the Bucks at seven. I'm actually surprised that that is the first one that you've had the same as me. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to number eight, I have the Bears taking Roquan Smith, the linebacker <sighs> from Georgia. He really showed out in the college football uh, championship and in the, in the um, semifinal game this year. Um, he's a real athlete. He's really going to help them at that inside line, at the, at the inside linebacker spot. I mean, they have some playmakers now. I believe they have Danny Trevathan, the guy who took out, um, who was it, Adams on the Packers. He really he practically decapitated him last <laughs> year uh, in that Monday night game. That was a, a huge disaster. Um, they have Brandon Marshall, I think. Uh, they have... You know, they have I mean, Kyle Long though, right? They have Kyle Long. I mean, I mean, like Great player. Th- the Bears' defense is good, and it will only get better with the addition of Roquan Smith at inside linebacker. Okay, I'm going to disagree here. I think that they need someone to catch the ball. That's why I'm taking Calvin Ridley from Alabama, right? Wide receiver. Uh, someone's got to catch for Mitch Trubisky. You know, the re- the receiving core not great. I I think the Bears last year had. Perhaps the worst receiving core that I can I've ever I I, I can't I, I don't even think I can name a single receiver on the Bears because they just lost um who was their one guy that they had well they had uh Meredith Cameron Meredith yeah. I, I believe he I believe he signed with the Saints in free agency 
Um, I think he was really their only playmaker that they had. Well, okay, mean, so because here's my idea, which is that everyone knows like bear weather, uh, where you just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just saving some salary cap. And the Bears are a huge by, run the ball, run the ball team. Yeah, they're just not even going to have wide receivers on the team. So maybe my pick was really stupid. They would probably just be j- just as good as they were last year because <laughs> Mitch Trubisky actually can't throw the ball downfield, and he has no one to throw to. And they have really good running backs, well, so why not? Wait, he can't throw the ball downfield because there's no one to catch. Obviously, he's a fantastic quarterback. He's the quarterback right. So why not just eliminate the quarterback as well and just have him snap it directly to the running back and have him just go a little wildcat? Yeah, that's actually a great idea. I I think that we probably should start coaching. Yeah, I I completely agree. Now uh, at nine. At nine. All right. At nine. I have the same pick. I have. I'm sorry. I have. The, I have Calvin Ridley going nine to the Niners. Another team that I can't even name a wide receiver from. Honestly, I. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Respect to Marquise. Marquise Goodwin, one of the fastest players in the NFL. He, he really emerged last year um, as Jimmy G's kind of number one guy after he was traded. I think that a number two guy would be a huge help to Jimmy G as he tries to lead this team back to the playoffs. The NFL is a better place when the 49ers are good. They haven't been good the past few years. Ever I think Calvin lost Kaepernick. Right. I yeah. Em, embrace debate here. Yeah. Ever since they lost Alex Smith, really. Yeah, that's I think, true. I think yeah. they. I think they yeah. never should have got rid of Alex Smith. They got rid of him for Kaepernick, and it Alex was just Smith a disaster. Is like, Alex Smith is actually a good quarterback. Like right, he, he's he, actually good. <laughs> <laughs> like like it's everyone just hates him for some reason. They hated him in Kansas City. He was like the he was like the he was like really good for them. Right, he was always the scapegoat. Like whenever they not do that well, it was like oh, it's because Alex Smith was bad tonight, you know. Uh, but he's actually a good quarterback, and the 49ers let him go, you know, just as he was becoming good. I know they made it to the Super Bowl that year, but, like, after that, it pretty much went down the tank for them. Yeah, yeah, um, So I, I picked Denzel Ward, the cornerback from uh, Ohio State. They need some secondary help as well. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can only throw so many touchdowns if they're leaking on the other end. Right. Uh, so I think it's imp- important to show up the defense. Uh, I And, you know, moving on to number 10, mm-hmm. I, I also have – more secondary help as as you know NFL drafts especially in 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 recent years you know it, it seems to be you know guys who can throw the ball guys who can rush the passer and guys who can protect the passer that's usually you know in terms of the top of the draft that's what it usually leans to so th- this is definitely going to be a secondary heavy especially in the top 10 so i have derwin james the defensive back out of ohio state um, I'm sorry. Florida State. I'm sorry. Florida I'm thinking State. Denzel Ward. Of course, Florida State. Uh, another great playmaker in college. His team really struggled his his uh, his most recent season. Uh, but the Raiders are another Bay Area team that needs a lot of secondary help. Um, but the one difference between them and the 49ers is they don't have Richard Sherman. So they really need secondary help, and he's really going to help them out this season. I actually also picked Derwin James, okay. uh, but for a, a pretty different reason. You know, I just I like the cut of his jib. He seems like a good guy, and you know, he just he's got that kind of football guy attitude. Like, you know, he just belongs in the NFL, and and Oakland seems like a good, as good a place to do it. Fair, that's fair. All right, welcome back to the Kyle Cat and Kasanoff show. We're talking Patriots right now. We're both pretty, pretty, pretty big Patriots fans, Kyle. I'm sorry, New York listeners, we have to. <laughs> well, I mean, there's been some notable departures. Danny Amendola, out the door. Right. Malcolm Butler, out the door. Nate Solder, Deion Lewis. Even Brandon Cooks. I mean, obviously, Cordell Patterson came the other way. But, you know, how's this team going to stack up? Um, I'm sad, 
honestly, because I think this is the end. Um, end of the I, dynasty? I think this is really – I think when they lost to the Eagles, that really was it. I, they're never going to be as good as they were. Um, Brady is going on 41, I believe, now. Tom versus time. Watch on Facebook. Gronkowski still has not confirmed whether or not he's coming back. Um, although Belichick would like you to believe that, you know, it's not even on his mind. I, I think it definitely is on his mind at this well, point. Can we can we talk about Gronkowski for a little bit? I think that maybe they should just rename the Patriots to be Gronkowski, and then he'll definitely come back, uh, just like the New England Gronks. Because, uh, that I'm, might do it. I'm not sure if you saw this, but they uh, some guys named their, ra- their horse racing horse uh, Gronkowski, and Gronk bought in. So maybe if you just put something in front of him with his name on it, he'll just feel obligated to you know contribute. That might do it. I mean, e- either way, I mean, this team needs him to come back. I mean, especially at the end of the season. Like, they would have lost to Pittsburgh in Week 15 had it not been for Gronkowski. Um, they wouldn't have been in that Super Bowl at all. If I mean, the man is a monster. Yeah, Everyone I mean, he, knows he, that. He is the greatest tight end to have ever played. Um, and the guy's only 29 going on 30, I think, now. Um, they They really need him to come back. I think the AFC East, I think that they're lucky that the AFC East is as bad as it is across the board. Well, I mean, they've always been lucky. This might be the worst AFC East that we've ever seen this season. I I don't know that any of the other teams will win more than six games this season. They're all really bad. I mean, the Buffalo Bills got lucky because of a tiebreaker last year that they got in um, instead of a much better Los Angeles Chargers team. Honestly, it would have been better for the playoffs if the Chargers had gotten in. Yeah, Phillip Rivers. We need a fourth-quarter meltdown. And then and then the Bills went in and they got, what, six points against Jacksonville? Like, honestly, it was just a waste of a playoff spot. Um, but <laughs> either, either way, um, I'm sorry, the Jets are horrible. The Dolphins are actually going to be the worst in the division this year. After they lost Landry, they lost Sue. Tannehill's not getting any better ever. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I think this season is a 10 or 11 win Patriots team. I, I really do. I, th- I think that Belichick and what's left of Brady can will them to that finish, but they just aren't enough other playmakers around him anymore. Can I, can I ask two questions? Sure. Okay. Johnny Menzel, you know, comeback season. It's a real thing. He's working hard. Is, does, is Bill Belichick the kind of guy that says, yeah, we'll, we'll sign Johnny Manziel to the practice squad. We'll see what he's made he's of. He's absolutely the kind of guy. I mean, he signed Tebow. Yeah. If, if you're talking about a sideshow quarterback who's not that good, yeah, perfect. It, they tried it once. Tebow didn't make it. He didn't make it out of the preseason, but that's fine. You know? I mean, just giving him a chance because we know what Johnny Manziel could do. You yeah. know? He's a, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Everyone knows that. He's, he's you know, uh, I don't know. He, he He's... We can't deny the talent that he has. He's just he's been felled by off the field problems. He's he's undersized. He's disadvantaged at that. You know, I I, I don't know. I just but, think. But Bill Belichick has never been a, one to doubt someone for their off the field problems. No, no, exactly. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, look, Corey Dillon, well, Albert Hainsworth, Dante Stallworth. I even, mean, there's just countless guys that he's hired with these off the field problems that are a lot worse than what Manziel's dealt with. Even more than that, uh, which is that uh, the the Giants GM was saying. Uh, when in regards to uh, Odell Beckham, you know, with his whole you know little scandal in the news with him being seen with a woman in a white substance, uh, he said, oh, "You right. don't give up on talent." And Johnny Manziel is talented. It isn't necessarily giving up on talent. It's like the talent that they have is more important than the off the field stuff, especially in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it isn't it isn't necessarily giving up on that guy. You know, oh, I think I think he can really turn it around. You know, it's that we need him because he's really good at football. Yeah. yeah. And Johnny Manziel, while he's not he's no Odell Beckham, and he never will be. He has the chance. I mean, I would love it if you tra- if the transition 
that we're all expecting is from Tom Brady to Johnny Manziel. I mean, what a story that would be. That would actually uh, be that would actually be the most classic Patriots thing, where they just get this guy who's screwed up, messed up, you know, in the past, and they bring him in, and then he's just the next dynasty quarterback. I mean, talk about cementing a legacy if you're Bill Belichick. I mean, you know, going out on on the high of of having groomed Johnny Manziel of all people to be your successor at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. Uh, let's talk about one other quarterback though. Patriots, their first pick in the first round without a trade, uh, pick number 23. Could Lamar Jackson fall all the way to the Patriots at 23? Uh, yes, I think I think he will. Will the Patriots pick him? No, I don't think so. I think they should. I, I really do. Um, I think he's an excellent player, and I think that he's the kind of guy who will be a, something a little different in New England. Uh, you know, he's got uh, you know a lot more athleticism, obviously, than Brady than Brady has, especially just because Brady's old. But even to begin with, Tom Brady was never like the most athletic, out-of-the-pocket kind of quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, I think that if Lamar Jackson's on the board, you know, they could use him. They could groom him for a year, and he could be the successor. I agree. I mean, it's it's unfortunate how, you know, draft pundits have really pegged Lamar Jackson as, as you know, as, as undersized, as skinny. Um, I mean, we've seen this He's time. He's definitely in, not skinny. We've seen this, I mean... Yeah, he. I mean, yeah, he is skinny. He's he's a, he's a skinnier guy. He he isn't he isn't the bulkiest quarterback. Um, I'm not gonna give him that. But I mean, these guys just peg him as a wide receiver. They say he's too athletic. They say he's, uh, I don't know. He's just he's just not big enough. He, he just doesn't have what it takes to be a quarterback. Uh, I I I disagree. I I think he is one of the best players in the draft. I think he has top ten potential in this draft. This is a really wide open year. Um, he can fall to the Patriots at 23. I think most likely that won't happen. I think he'll be gone before then. But even if it does, the Patriots are not going to go for it. I think that they, as much as they would like him, I see them more as a Mason Rudolph type kind of team out of, out of Oklahoma State. Um, I see him as more of the, of the backup quarterback that they're looking for. Um, Lamar Jackson has never really been their kind of quarterback. Like, you know, I mean... When's the last time the Patriots had a mobile quarterback? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, again, exactly. That's my that's kind of my point. You know, something a little different might be good for sure. But I don't know that the, I don't know that the Patriots are about doing something different. <laughs> at, at least under the current regime, I I think what what they've had has worked, um, and I think having these elusive playmaking running backs uh, alongside a pocket passer who can't move, it it's worked for them. So why change that now? You know. All right, so we, we discussed this a little bit before the show. You think there's a possibility that the Patriots might try to trade with Cleveland for that fourth overall pick? It is possible. I mean, I saw it, I just saw it today. It was the possibility that they go for four, and they give away both their first this year, which is numbers 23 and 31, and next year's first, which is probably going to be 29 or 30, you know, one of the bad ones, um, in exchange for four. Because at four, I mean, assuming, you know, I mean, assuming that, that the draft plays out as we thought it would with with the Browns taking a quarterback at one, uh, you know, e- like another quarterback or two going, you know, either two or three or or a Saquon Barkley. If you have Barkley and the quarterback gone, uh, if you're the Browns at Fort, like what like what are you really going for there? And and I think for them, like the best value move for them is a trade because there's no other prospect that's that high on their list. That it, that is that worth it to them? And the Browns are, are notorious for trading down, so, for just you know so, collecting all these future picks that all never really work out. I, I think it's a huge possibility. So who are the Pats picking it for then? They're gonna go with one of the quarterbacks who's left. Who, I mean, on my board, I had Donald going one. If that's the case, you're going for either Rosen or you're going for Allen. I think it's more likely, honestly, that they go for Rosen at four. I think Belichick 
has a lot of respect for Rosen as a player and a person. I think that he'd be a good fit for them. I mean, a lot of people talk about how he's too smart, how he's how he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think he'd be a great guy for the Patriots, a great backup quarterback to, to kind of just sit behind Brady for a season. Um, it's a huge possibility. They, I mean, the Patriots really need future quarterback help. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Transitioning a little bit here, do you see the big news uh, kind of marginally related to the NFL, which is that uh, Aaron Rodgers bought into the Bucks. He now owns a part of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I did see that. So he's really uh, cemented his uh, his place, his Wisconsin roots, so to speak, uh, ahead of a contract year. Right. I mean, like, wouldn't it be kind of awkward if he if he you know if he bolts for you know the Giants or even the, or even the Patriots or or you know, and and he still owns the Bucks though. Well, this is the kind of move that says if I have if I leave, it's because I had to. You know, it, it's like it's on right. Green Bay. He's literally saying to the whole state of Wisconsin, it's on you, the owners. Because all of Wisconsin owns the Packers. I, I think it's a huge good guy move for him. It's putting everyone on, on his side. He's really, you know, like you said, he's like he's like really embracing those Wisconsin roots. Right. He's just he's he's appealing to all the fans in in Milwaukee um, at a time when his organization seems to have given up on him. Like really, the only bright spot on that entire team um, is Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers? He's more valuable to them than any other player is to any other team. Can we can we talk about actually? You know, because it is a contract year. So Garoppolo, seven career wins. He got twenty seven and a half million dollars. Uh, Kirk Cousins, zero postseason wins, twenty eight million dollars. Matt Stafford, zero postseason win, twenty seven million dollars. Is Aaron Rodgers worth fifty million dollars a um, season? He, he, you know what? I, I think popular opinion would be yes. But Aaron Rodgers is, you know, going on, what, 34 now, 35. He's not young anymore. He's not, he's not Jimmy Garoppolo where Jimmy Garoppolo is 26 or 27. He's not in his prime anymore. You know, I mean, I, I, as his play would, would make you argue otherwise. And he has had his, his injury problems. When healthy, he is the best quarterback in the world, better than Wentz, better than Brady, better than anyone else out there currently. Um but unfortunately, he just hasn't been healthy, and that combined with his age make him makes him no more valuable than the next highest guy, the next highest paid guy, which which in this case is a Jimmy G. I'm sorry. You see, I I, I just can't agree because if you look at the if you look at that Packers roster, you you said it yourself. There's only one bright spot on it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, last year the the Packers looked great, then Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and you're like, wow, this is a really really bad football team. But you put Aaron Rodgers back on the field. And they're a playoff contender. So, you know, to me, if the difference between, you know, being, like, atrocious, being pitiful, and being a contender is Aaron Rodgers, you got to pay the man. I, I, I guess just what I see in Rodgers is he doesn't have – he's not going to have this Brady-type longevity. He's been hurt too many times at this point in his career where I don't see him playing another five full seasons into the future. I see him hanging it up three or four years down the road, which, I mean, like – in those three or four years, will he make you a contender? Yes, but, so, but can he stay he healthy to, for a full season? Probably not. But who says he has to sign a you know a five year max deal like that? You know. No, but I'm saying like like when you're talking about value, Jimmy G can be your franchise guy for the next ten years if you're, if you're the 49ers. Okay, but Rodgers just can't about, give you that. But next year, Rodgers is worth fifty million dollars to the Packers. For next season, no, I, I don't think so. I think he's worth no more than twenty million for that one season because he's just he can't stay healthy anymore. I want to see him stay healthy for. We'll see how this season goes. If he puts up five thousand yards and forty touchdowns again and plays all sixteen games and leads them to a twelve and four record and a and a 
in a Super Bowl appearance, which a lot of people think that he will, then yeah, he probably is worth that. But until that happens, no, I'm sorry. I mean, he's got to be worth more than Matt Stafford, though. I mean, like, that's just what the market's going for these days. Matt Stafford is a Josh Allen type of quarterback. <laughs> he's got good size. He's got good hands. He's got a rocket for an arm. Matt Stafford's the worst quarterback who could win you a Super Bowl. Yeah, pro- I mean, Joe Flacco is probably worse than him, and he does have a Super Bowl. So maybe he's the worst guy who can win you a Super Bowl. All right, we're back, and we're talking NBA playoffs. Kyle, do you think the Cavs are going to lose in the first round? Yep, they're, they are not making it out of this first round. The Pacers have showed up to play. They took care of business last night. They were down by 17 and a half. They crawled their way back to win by two. Um, it's, it's a great day for basketball, really. I, I think this is the end of LeBron James and his Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, yeah, so he's just going to jump ship when times get tough and he'll go to L.A. He might go to L.A. He might go to Philly, you know. It's, that's really not out of the question. There's, I mean, there's, he could go anywhere, you know. I mean, like, really, I don't think LeBron cares anymore about anything. You know, I, I think any team that could win him a title next year, he'd go for it. He'd go to the Celtics, honestly. If they had the money to pay him, he'd go to the Celtics, you know. I mean, but I'm so really, happy. Really, with Kyrie there, he would go to the Celtics? Um, you know, that's interesting. I, I I think because Kyrie's there, I think he'd rather go there because okay, so he just wants his little buddy back, you know? That's a good point. I mean, he does need some help. And, and people forget that, you know, like Kyrie put up 40 points in game seven two years ago. Right. People forget that. He, without him, they wouldn't have won. Also, yeah. one of the worst game sevens I've ever seen. <laughs> I think one basket was scored between both teams in the last five minutes. I'm just, just saying. Just terrible basketball all around. Well... Actually, this is interesting, which is that if LeBron were to go to Boston and win a, a championship with Kyrie, would it even count? Would it be like half a title for Boston and half a title for Cleveland? I think it would count like... Like there'd be an asterisk? It would count kind of like his Miami titles count, you know? Kind of like half. Because like, I don't know, it just it, it's, well, like the, it's, it's, the, it's like the weirdest kind of like... How everyone just kind of came together for that one team. I don't know. I mean, Miami was kind of the start of the super teams. You know, right. You had the big three, and, and they, they won. Well, like, they won. It, it was the start of this whole buddy-buddy NBA, like, let's go play for, for this team now. You know, like, <laughs> like all these like these groups of friends who all happen to be really good at basketball, they join up and they play for this. Like, that was really the first of that. And, and now we have the Warriors, which are just terrible. I, I, I hate watching them now. It has to be kind of so fun, old. Though. It has to be said. It's, it's got to be pretty fun when you're like, all right, man, like, let's just head down to Miami. We'll make $20 million a year for three years, and we'll be really good at basketball. And we'll, play, and we'll win like two titles yeah. and, and slam a lot of dunks and, you know, hit a lot of threes. Sounds pretty good to uh, me. I'm in. Right, exactly. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope LeBron leaves Cleveland. I just, I'm sorry. Like, What's the state of Cleveland without LeBron? They're nothing. They're nothing. Yeah, but I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Cleveland was a better storyline when they were, you know, bad at everything. And, and and now they're, like, good at everything except football. They're always going to be well, bad at football. Well, we don't know that. They could be back this year. There's always a chance. I, I think they're so bad there is no coming back from where they are right now. Well, but it should be said that after going 0-16, the Browns, if they go 1-15, is improvement. That is technically coming back from where they were, you know. 
It's um, actually infinite improvement, though. From zero to it is, one is, it is infinite in, improvement. Infinitely better. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think Cleveland, they're like on their high horses down there. You know, like they're they're really good at baseball now. They're really good at basketball. Like I, I'm sorry, it was it, it's kind of like Philadelphia. You were better when when you're bad at everything, and everyone could just make fun of you all the time. And, <laughs> and Philadelphia even more so because they have all the teams and they've been around. F- forever and they've just been bad at everything forever like it's just really funny but now they're like good at everything weirdly so like it's just a weird year for sports all around but regardless i hope lebron leaves i hope he goes to the west then it's no one to stop the celtics next year when they win 65 games um because they're going to when they have hayward and kyrie back um well if they have hayward and kyrie back because you know they're both very injury prone now we know um, well, Hayward, I don't think, I wouldn't say he's injury prone. That's I think, true. I think he just landed on his foot wrong, which, which, which can happen to anyone. And he just snapped it just really, really bad luck. Um, Kyrie is injury prone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think Hayward has had missed any, any extended amount of time prior to the season's injury. Yeah, he hasn't. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that we can get full seasons and that Hayward can be a hundred percent of, or better than what he once was. Um, Either way, I'm excited, and I hope LeBron goes to the West. I think it would be better for basketball if he does. Do you think LeBron might go to the Jazz? The Jazz are uh, tied 1-1 with Oklahoma. Um, yes. I mean, again, no one has any indication of where LeBron might go. All, like, all, all signs point to him returning next season, but I think if, if they don't get out of this first round, I think he recognizes that he doesn't have w- what's necessary around him to really make another great title push with all the talented teams that there are currently. What if um, like LeBron just like really surprised everyone and he just went to Phoenix? That won't happen. <laughs> I I think I think he's not looking for a step down. I mean Phoenix is definitely a step down. I, I think it's not out of the question that he goes to Houston. And then you have two real super teams out west. Um Yeah, but so then the best matchup is in the playoffs is gonna be the Western Conference final. You know, the the final is just right. gonna be a cakewalk for whoever wins the West. Right, exactly. I mean it's, I mean, it kind of already is. I, I, I'd be shocked if an Eastern Conference team won it all this season. Um, but I, I think it'd be, it'd be great. I mean, like, not even like LeBron. Kevin Durant also has an opt out at the end of the season. Um, and I, I forget where I heard it, but I, I remember someone was saying like, what if the Sixers win the title this season, and and then LeBron and KD go. No, to the I mean, I'm sorry. What if like. If the Sixers win and Durant is just like, this is just going to be my thing now. The Sixers win, I'm just going to go join the Sixers <laughs> next season. And then, like, that's going to be his thing for, like, the next however many years. Um, that could be fun to watch. Can, can I propose kind of a, a crazy de- a crazy situation? Sure. What if the NBA said only one Supermax player uh, per team? Um, I mean, like, who really wants that, though? Isn't it more fun when you have multiple of them? Multiple great players playing together, like you know. Well, you'd like to have two, you like, which is what it is. And then you can have every every team winning like fifty games, and then and and then like the worst teams will win like forty games, and then like the whole team, like it'll be like EPL soccer where like all the teams are pretty much even, you know. No, it'd be like hockey, yeah, where anyone could win. Right, exactly. Which is better. But do you really want that, or like, like? Like, like the NBA's current model is working for them. Like, you, like you know, like there's a reason that their like their salary cap is so high because they're making so much money currently. You know, um, and they're perfectly content with the teams that they have. I, I just think I'm not content, and I, and I'll explain why. I just hate the lack of parity. I, I I hate the fact that. Well, the thing is, it'll smooth over. Like, cause the the salary cap isn't set to expand for the next few years. Really, what what's happened is that the Warriors were benefiting from you know an underpaid. Um, 
Clay Thompson and an underpaid Draymond Green, guys who were paid much less than what they're worth to that team. And Kevin Durant accepted, I think, $5 million per year less to join the Warriors than he did for any other team. So, like, there's always going to be the possibility that that happens, you know? And, and when you say limit one Supermax player per team, then it's so easy to just get around that and just sign for, like, a little bit less money, you know? Yeah, I understand, but it's more about, like, I mean, my, my real idea for basketball is just to institute a hard cap instead of the soft cap, which they have. I think that that is how, I mean, that's basically proven to be how you create parity. I mean, obviously, it's, I mean, it's, it is, it is frustrating seeing how, good the Warriors and the Rockets are and how like it really isn't like I mean in the east I would say it's wide open but like beyond that I think it's pretty much guaranteed that it's gonna be one of those two teams winning it all this year well I just think it's not fun honestly because you know well it's fun to watch but it's fun to watch those teams but like game to game it's not fun to like to really watch it's not fun to watch a, a regular season NBA game you guys don't really try that hard you basically know pretty much who's going to win, and you know even that if the team wins, they're not going to win the title unless they're already we're going to win the title from the beginning of the season. Right. I mean, I, I agree. I think that's why I love college so much is because college basketball is a faster game. Um, I, mean, the, I mean, the guys are smaller. There's a lot more jump shooting. Um, there's a, I don't know. There's just – I don't know. The game just moves a lot quicker than the NBA game does. Like Has the guys said, though, that in college uh, – they really make the those rims look small. Like they they are not nearly as good at shooting on the whole as NBA. Oh yeah, I mean are. absolutely. Yeah. I mean like you rarely see a, a guy in college shoot above forty percent for three. You rarely shoot a guy shoot ninety percent from the line. Um, exactly. I mean the, I mean there's just sh- shooters are fewer and far between in college. Uh, that's part of what makes the NBA so great. It, it, it's how you have this new generation of fantastic shooters. It's the way the game is going, um, and I love it. But you know. Parity would definitely make the game better. I, I do agree. Um, but, you know, if I can get Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford on the same team and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I'm talking about the Celtics, obviously. Yeah, we you know, get it. I, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know. I, I'm happy where they're going. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the Celtics are going to be pretty good next year, honestly. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I think they're already pretty good. They're, they're up on the Bucks. Right, but... Nobody has any expectations for them, you know. Well, I mean, if you have, if your two star players are not in the lineup, it's obviously, you know, detrimental. Right. We're, we're going to transition though. We're going to talk NHL. So San Jose Sharks completed their sweep, and just let's at, go Sharks. And just as everyone predicted, uh, it's Vegas versus San Jose, who both swept in the first round. Right. No, no one thought anything else besides that scenario was going to happen, right? No, actually. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it it is a bummer. I I'm a huge Sharks fan. I I had my you know my Anaheim Ducks winning that series. I had the Kings of all teams as the Western Conference representative in the Stanley Cup Finals. So kind of embarrassing for me to see this happening. Um, I think that the, I think that the Sharks are a dangerous team. I think that this is a team. That might have been a little overlooked heading into this playoffs, but this is a team that can really do some damage in the West. That's true. I mean, I, I picked them to beat Vegas, honestly. Uh, I, I picked both Vegas and San Jose to come out in their series, not to sweep, but I did pick them both to come out. Uh, and I said, looked at that massive matchup and I said, you know, the Kings don't have the speed, they don't have the skill, uh, and that was right. And I said, Anaheim, you know, they're just not with it this year, and that was right. It's, it's so weird, though, because, like, Anaheim was one of the hottest teams in hockey heading into 
heading into their first round series with San Jose, and then San Jose just kind of shut the door on them. You know, it just wasn't really expected in my mind. Well, basically, you know, Anaheim like. Uh, back in February, I believe, Pierre Lebrun, who's a, an NHL reporter for The Athletic, wrote an article saying, this Ducks team is a team built for the playoff hockey if they can get there. And so they got hot to make it into the playoffs. Right. But they're really, you know, they're they're not as good as they once were. They're, they're leaning on some stars who are a little bit older, Ryan Kessler, Corey Perry. Right. Uh, uh, Ryan Getzloff. Ryan Getzloff. You know, they're a little bit older. They do have great goaltending in, um, in uh, Gibson. But... Man, he, he got shelled. What was it, game two or game three? Game, game three, eight, lost 8-1. Eight yeah, that's rough. I mean, what's what's most surprising about this is that, like, if you look back to last year's Anaheim Ducks team, they lost, I believe, 7-1 to the Edmonton Oilers in game six to make it 3-3. They come back home game seven, and they absolutely shut the door. So what's most surprising is the fact that the Ducks didn't even rebound. Usually you see, like, an 8-1 shellacking, right. and you see the team come back with some pride. Right. But the Ducks didn't really do that. Right. It was definitely a tough exit for them. Um, hugely disappointing. I mean, they, I mean, I think this team, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, I mean, they're relying too much on their, on their aging stars. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, like, like I think their window for, for I mean, being a, a contender might have just closed with this, with this first round sweep here. I mean, they're, they're certainly not getting any younger. Um, That's true. But I also want to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Might be the best team in hockey. Last night, I was watching the Jets game. They beat uh, they beat the Wild five zero at home in the Winnipeg Whiteout, uh, in five. So they won in five games. They won four one. Okay, that that Winnipeg Whiteout is pretty cool. It is it, really it, cool. It is pretty cool. It is really cool. I mean, talk about a fan base that deserves a good hockey team. I mean, Winnipeg, they have a nice arena too. It looks pretty nice. It's a, yeah, it's actually the smallest in the league though. I did but, see uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only about fifteen thousand, but uh, basically, like you know, Winnipeg. They're as good as it gets. Like they, they absolutely walked through the wild last night. Like they weren't even on the ice. Right. It was basically just, uh, it was basically just the Jets versus one of those like uh, those mats you put in the goal that has like the holes in the corners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was basically just like shooting practice. It was awesome, and, and you know the wild. I think that, can a team lack a clutch gene? Like not even just like. There's not a player on the team that has a clutch gene, but like, can the Wild, like in their uh, organizational makeup, just not have the clutch gene? Yes, I think perhaps. Right. I think they do not have it. Right. I, I don't know. I just think Devin Dubnik is a great player. He's a great player, but he didn't get the support he deserved. I I agree. He just didn't have enough around enough around him in this series. They were just completely overpowered by this Jets team. Personally, I would love a Jets versus Bruins Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I think that'd be super exciting. USA versus Canada, um, or like I don't know. I, I I would love to see it. Have the Jets ever made the Stanley Cup final? Uh, no, not to my knowledge, no. So it, it'd be so. it'd be good for them. It'd be good for the city of Winnipeg. Yeah, well, this at least this iteration. This franchise. Has. This was their first playoff series win. Who were they before the Jets? They were they were Atlanta. They were the Atlanta Thrashers. Okay. Right on for them, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge deal. And this is a team that was not built through flashy free agent signing. It was built, the entire roster pretty much was built through uh, uh, either trade or uh, or draft. There, Dustin there, Bufflin is a beast. There's one or two, there's one or two guys who were free agents, but there weren't like, you know, splashy guys like Matt Hendricks who signed, you know, I think a two-year deal for $1 million per, you know, just as a depth player. Obviously, that's not really the type of free agent signing we talk about when we say like big free, big name free agents. But uh, 
It's a great team. Also, we got to mention Nashville, Colorado. This, this Colorado team is making a push. Gabe Landeskog got four goals in the first round already. It's pretty good. Are they down? Are they down three two now? They're down three two, headed back to Colorado. They are putting up a fight for sure. I mean, they're not going to let this Nashville team put them away easy. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to win this next game. I think it's I think it's over for them in six. Um, but I mean, a huge showing for them. A huge showing for them to even get to the playoffs. Yeah. And then put up this fight against the best team. What I thought at least in in the field heading into the playoffs here. Uh, a great showing for them. It's got to be great because they were the worst team in hockey last season. I mean, let's not forget, it was a 47-point turnaround from last year to this year right, in terms that's of regular huge. season. No one could have predicted that, really. I mean, like, um, what an incredible turnaround for them. Uh, good. It's It's been really great to see you know them put up this fight against Nashville. Uh, obviously, like, the better team. But I, I think it will end in six here. But there are some questions that... You know, what kind of wear and tear are they putting on Nashville? Are they setting up Nashville to lose in the second round to right. Winnipeg? It's definitely frustrating. I don't – based on how Winnipeg is going, I think it is likely that Winnipeg will – that is a team that can really get past Nashville in the second round. And I, I think it's I think it's rough because, like, I'd rather see those two teams in the West final, you know. Yeah, of course. I, I don't want them in this – like, I don't want them in the second well, round. Well, it's the same situation in the East where we want to see Bruins-Lightning in the second round. Right, exactly. In the, in the third round, sorry, The two best the teams in the field should be meeting in, in the semifinal for the whole bracket. Well, I mean, you know? that that is why the NHL playoff structure is a little bit strange where they do they do three teams from each division – three teams from each division plus the two best teams from the rest of the conference – which is just kind of silly because it it means that you know real really uh, Toronto should have been playing uh, Washington I believe uh, no, yeah, yeah no like I totally get like I don't mind them you know selecting who's gonna be in the postseason based on that like you know if you take top three for each division yeah but then you and want then you t- the one through eight seating right exactly then just seed them accordingly so then you have the best team play the worst team and then you know obviously obviously do that because I like them you know kind of. Making these divisions more important, kind of like this, like re- I don't know, a more regional brand of hockey, perhaps. Well, last year, if you look at the Rangers, they were the first wild card. I think they were would have been first in the Atlantic, but they're in the Metro, so they end up playing, you know, as the away team versus uh, the Montreal Canadiens, who who finished first in the Atlantic. And I think the Rangers had more points than them. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's definitely skewed. Um, certainly now, it's. I mean, it's. I think that the NHL has gotten the matchups that they've wanted in the first round. I think especially, like, I mean, and as we head to the second round, um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously. The like, second round might be the best round of the whole playoffs. Right, exactly. And, Until the and final, then, And then beyond that, it might be just kind of skewed toward the the better team. But regardless, that is going to wrap up our show today. Um, we, we hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah.